things are not as they may seem. I know that whether you realize it or not, we all wear glasses. If you don't wear glasses, you're wearing contact lenses. If you don't wear glasses, you're still wearing glasses. You may never have seen an ophthalmologist and gotten a prescription, but you're wearing glasses. All of us have been conditioned to see and view life by our parents. We have glasses, don't we? Our family and friends have had a big impact on how we see things. We wear glasses. Teachers and society... Background and experiences all come together to help us see things or fail to see things the way that we do. I was thinking, wouldn't it be wonderful if every person had glasses by God from which to see? What a difference that that might make in this old world. Glasses by God. Open your Bibles to Revelation 5 and look at verse 5. There's a little word I want you to circle or underline. And that word, depending upon your translation, is the word behold. Maybe in your particular translation, it's the word look. Things are not the way they may seem. There are heavenly realities that are far greater, more precious, and wondrous than anything that may seem to be what we're seeing here on earth. In the opening chapters of Revelation, in chapter 1, you have John exiled on the island of Patmos. God's people are being persecuted. Times are tough. In Revelation chapters 2 and 3, the Lord addresses letters to seven churches. Five of them are told to repent because of various problems within them. Things don't look so good. And then you get to Revelation chapter 4, and in Revelation chapter 4, there is a door opened in heaven. When all seems lost... When God's people are persecuted and sin seems rampant and it exists even among God's people, there's still a door open. And the door open is a door to heaven. And what we see in Revelation chapter 4 is wondrous, it's marvelous. It is beyond compare as far as its beauty The word to remember from Revelation 4 is the word throne. Throne. Because everything is about the throne and the one who sits thereon. It's all about the throne. It's a great chapter. And the chapter ends with heaven bursting into praise for the one who is holy, holy, holy. Holy who sits on the throne. 
What they are doing, brothers and sisters, what's being done in Revelation chapter 4 is they are singing in the rain. But rain is spelled R-E-I-G-N. We have every reason as the people of God, no matter how dark and how stained this world is, to look deeper to wear glasses by God, and to keep in mind we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us, Romans 8, 37 through 39. To remember that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith, 1 John 5 and verse 4. To keep in mind, to keep in memory, to keep in focus, to keep in sight, greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world, 1 John 4 and verse 4. Set your affection on things that are above, where Christ is, Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Glasses by God. Wouldn't it be great if every person could so see? Now turn to Revelation 5. What is given to the one seated on the throne in Revelation chapter 4? Praise, worship, and glory. Now will be given to the Lamb. To Jesus. Now, when you look at Revelation chapter 5, here's a couple of key words. Remember them. The first word is worthy. Worthy. You will see it in verse 2 and verse 4. The idea of worthy. Who is worthy? And then the second key word is the word lamb. Look at verse 6, verse 8, verse 12, and verse 13. 6, 8, 12, and 13. So if the throne is accentuated and stressed in chapter 4, and all heaven burst into praise to the one who's on the throne. What I want you to see in chapter 5 is, worthy is the Lamb, and all are going to burst into praise, saying, worthy is the Lamb. What is given the Father in chapter 4 is given the Son in chapter 5. Do you follow me? What the writer does of Revelation is give us a lot of pictures. And you have to think a little bit differently and get the picture. When we look at Revelation chapter 5, it opens in the first four verses with this picture. A seven-sealed book, and that seven-sealed book is in the right hand of the one who sits on the throne. Look at the verses. That's the first picture. And a strong angel from heaven says, Who is worthy to open this seven-sealed book? 
And throughout all of heaven, no one is found who's worthy. And John says something, when no one was found worthy, I wept out loud. Is no one worthy to take this book that would have to do with God's plan for saving men? Is no one able to open the book? Second scene. Look at verses 5 through 7. You have the lion who is also a lamb. Young people, you've got the real lion king. He's the root of David. You've got the lion out of the tribe of Judah. Genesis 49 verses 9 and 10. Isaiah 11 verses 1 and 2. The root of Jesse from David's lineage. He is the lion king. He is the lamb. Verse 8. And when no one was found worthy to open the book about salvation and how humanity could be rescued and delivered, one comes forward, the lion king, the lion lamb. And he takes the book out of the right hand of the one seated on the throne. And it's almost anticlimactic. Is no one worthy? There is one worthy. And he comes and he takes the book out of the hand of the one on the throne, the Father. That's verse 7. And it sounds almost anticlimactic until you get to 8 through 14 because he does it it's in his hands and what's going to happen is heaven reverberates heaven shouts acclaim and praise to God and it gets more and more intense The Lamb and the Lamb alone is worthy. Now in verses 8 through 10, you have the four living creatures and the 24 elders. And these are angelic beings who have great power. They are close to the throne of God. And when the Lamb takes the book, they... Sing about the reign of the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy. Who was slain. And the idea there is he was slaughtered. He was murdered. For by your blood... Redeemed, saved we are. Ephesians 1, 7. Revelation 1, 5 through 7. You did purchase. You bought us. Bought and paid for. You bought and paid for people of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Every tribe, every family group. 
tongue, every linguistic group. People, every family group, linguistic group, social group. And nation, every ethnic group. If one is saved, it will be because they are purchased by the blood of the worthy Lamb. But keep going. The text says, depending upon the translation that you're reading from again, we reign, present tense, or we will reign, future tense. Well, which is better? They're both good. We reign with Christ. We are heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ. Romans 8, 16 and 17. But further, we will reign with Him. (coughs) Victory. It all is in whether you have glasses by God or not. How you see things. Do you see things through the glasses provided by God, His Word? But that's 8 through 10. And while more can be said, let me go on because it intensifies. Look at verses 11 and 12. And in 11 and 12 it says, myriads upon myriads. And the idea is... Tens of thousands upon tens of thousands of angels. We would put it this way. An innumerable host of angelic beings start to sing in the rain. And they do it with a loud voice. Because when it comes to the Lamb... Who is worthy, he is worthy of our enthusiastic, wholehearted praise. Amen? That's true of heaven, and it ought to be true here on earth too. Our enthusiastic, wholehearted praise. God does like it loud sometimes. So Adam, you and I are in good shape. Sing, but they sing loudly. And the innumerable host, now think about heaven shaking in such praise by these powerful beings to the Lamb of God. And there is a sevenfold ascription of praise that's given to him in verses 11 and 12. Notice this He is worthy of what? Worthy of what? Power, the text says, authority, Matthew 28, 18. He is worthy of wealth. Secondly, though he was rich, yet he for our sakes became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. He is worthy Worthy is the Lamb of power and wealth and wisdom. He's the embodiment of wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30. He is worthy of might, strength, 
Nothing is too hard for the Lord. He is worthy. He is worthy of honor, of glory, of blessing. And let me observe this just in passing. Evan, he's worthy of praise because of who he is. At least four of those matters are about that. He's worthy of praise and our attitude ought to express his worthiness when we praise him. Glory, honor, blessing. To speak well of him, blessing. Glory, He radiates and so should we. We should beam with joy and enthusiasm and praise when we speak of His worth. Honor. Nothing in all the world is more beautiful. You are beautiful beyond description. Nothing is more weighty and carries more weight and honor with us than He. And you know what? This chapter's not done. Think about it, Fidel. Catch this one, brother. Look at verses 13 and 14 that were read for us by Wesley a few minutes ago. What you've got, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, all of the host of heaven. And it's loud ringing with praise to the Lamb who's worthy. Don't you tell me we don't worship Jesus. Heaven does. And there's every New Testament reason for us to worship Jesus too. Worthy is the Lamb. But not only that, then it says, everything on earth, under the earth, in the sea, and all therein, Singing in the rain. I wonder how often we as Christians lose sight of the fact that Jesus is the worthy Lamb and because of Him we reign in a very real sense now but in an ultimate sense in eternity. Shouldn't that have an effect on our dispositions? Amen? Shouldn't that make a difference in our attitude? We allow things that are so temporary to have the impact of eternity. And we fail to be moved by the eternal impact of the Lamb who opens the seven-sealed book. We're blind. We have an inability to see things as they really are sometimes, don't we? Oh, God, forgive us and notice what is being sung, what is being said, what is being given in praise to God. It says, Blessing and honor, glory and power 
to Him forever and ever. And here's how everything ends. It's a crescendo. It's a high point. And the, the, the four living creatures, Amen! Amen! And heaven resounds with the glory and praise of God. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our God. Our God. He is an awesome God, isn't He? When you look at that word, Amen, we say it often in our prayers, understandably. It's very often the case that our public prayers end something like this, In Jesus' name, Amen. By the authority of Christ, we have come to you. May this prayer be so. That's what amen means in that context. May it be so. But may I suggest that in Revelation 5 here, there seems to be a little different meaning to amen. When amen is uttered while all heaven shakes with praise to God... Amen means it is so. It is so. It's undoubtedly so. When we pray, let's not lose sight of the one who sits on the throne. It is so. Amen. Revelation 4, neither let us lose sight of the Lamb who has made salvation possible, Revelation 5. It is so. It is by His blood that we are made the people of God. You were slain, a lamb. Interestingly enough, the first occurrence of the word lamb in Revelation 5 there means a little lamb. A little lamb. And young people, tongue-in-cheek, we can say Jesus was Mary's little lamb. The real little lamb. But because He came to this world, we all can sing praise as His people. Bought by His blood. Through faith, repentance, and baptism, one responds to what Jesus did at the cross, that worthy lamb. At that point, one is added to the church that we read about in the New Testament, the church of our dear Lord. Sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus at the point of baptism. One is added to the Lord's church when one comes to Jesus in faith and repentance and baptism. For those of us who are Christians, I don't want to ever see this congregation not wear glasses by God. When we see His will revealed in Scripture, we can see clearly. And we can sing and rejoice in the reign of God. Let's stand and sing.